Hello, and welcome to Wellness Wednesday with 3W. Wellness Wednesday is sponsored by 3W Medical for Women, a nonprofit medical clinic offering free of charge or low cost reproductive health services to women in the Seattle area, regardless of income or insurance status. 3W does not profit off of the reproductive health choices women make. The information shared in this podcast is the opinion of the speaker or speakers. Medical information is not intended as individual medical consultation, but for general education only. Always consult your own health professional for personalized advice regarding medical decisions. And if you're in the Seattle area, consider making an appointment to consult with us. I'm Helen Nguyen, CEO and co-founder of 3W Medical for Women and the host of today's podcast. We talked and re-recorded a very popular podcast episode called Vagina One-on-One, How to Care for Down There. And I just walked out and I said, you know, we talk about the vagina quite a bit in our <laughs> in our clinic. Rightly <laughs> so, right? But, but I was curious because I don't know much about the male anatomy. So I told my staff, I was like, we should reach out to one of our governing board members, Dr. Hervey, and see if he could come in, give us some insight about the male anatomy and how to care down there. It's always good to talk about female and male anatomy and because we talk about reproductive health and that fits in with it. And so we have in the studio our dear governing board member who's been with us for a while, Dr. Hervey. Hi, Hervey. Hi, Helen. <laughs> How are you today? I'm fine. Awesome. It's awesome. Beautiful day. And yeah, I'm good. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Yeah. yeah. Could you give us a quick, you know, your background? Oh, of course. Yes. So I'm a recently retired pediatrician, mm-hmm. which means uh, after my medical school, I did extra training in pediatrics. Mm-hmm. And then I worked for 40 years. Wow. Different clinics, different cities, different mm-hmm. offices, and now I'm retired. Mm-hmm. And so. retirement looks really good on you. Well, thank you. <laughs> it feels good. It feels good. <laughs> I, love, I love pediatrics. Yeah, um, what I drew would, you to that field? Oh, right? I like talking with kids. Yeah. And I enjoy giving families information. Mm-hmm. Helps their helps them raise their children, helps children develop and flourish. Mm-hmm. Really, that's the goal, pediatrics. Yeah. yeah. Flourishing in health, mind, mm-hmm. body and soul. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think you're you were made to be in pediatrics cuz your voice is so calming and your demeanor is always so chill. If you know, if I had to bring my son in to get like a vaccine or something, I would totally would have loved you to give that to him because you you'd probably be like, it's okay. Yeah, I <laughs> said that a lot. Okay. I said that a lot. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my voice, it's pretty recognizable. I would call people on scheduled phone calls and they'd mm-hmm. say, oh yeah, of course I know it's you. I recognize your voice. Oh, yeah, so. it is really recognizable. Yeah. yeah, but it's also very calming, which I appreciate. Which is which is why I said I think you're made for pediatrics. So, your your patients must be really missing you. It was a, it was sad. Yeah. for me and them <laughs> separating. I hired someone to take my place, and okay. she's doing a great job. So I'm happy about that. Yeah. Now I'm trying to be useful and have fun. Yeah. And, and spend more time with your balance. wife, right? Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. 
<laughs> and pediatrics usually range from what age to what age, Herbie? Ah, so we're there at birth for some complicated deliveries. Okay. Or we see babies in the hospital right after birth. Okay. Before they go home. And uh, pediatricians are the ones, the specialty pediatricians who do neonatal intensive care. Mm -hmm. And then we take care of kids till they're teens. Mm. Uh, and then it varies a lot depending on the family and life circumstances, whether they switch over to family medicine mm -hmm. or internal medicine when they turn 18. Okay. Or 20. Okay. So you can see a pediatrician mm -hmm. until age 19 or 20. Generally. Okay. We cut them off at 21. And <laughs> the funniest story I have of that is a guy who came in, looked, he's a classic lumberjack. Okay. Plaid shirt, broad shoulders, uh -huh. heavy beard. Yeah. More muscular than me. And I said, you know what, son? It's time for you to switch. <laughs> no, please. <laughs> he did. Oh, <laughs> You get used to you, you know, you get used to going to one yeah. person all yeah. your life and right. that change is pretty daunting sometimes, right? A little bit. Yeah. I remember seeing my pediatrician till as long as I could. Yeah. And then there was one time where she's like, okay, right. your, your issues are beyond me now. You need to go. <laughs> it's like, no. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyways, I'm so glad to have you here. We're going to talk about male anatomy and how to care for down there. You know, I'm going to bring up some questions I have myself. But also, you know, why why do you think, from your point of view, why do you think our audience should hear about this topic? Great question. And I would respond by saying, who is your audience? So I suspect many of the listeners are women. Mm -hmm. So this is for them, but it's also for the men in their life. Yeah. So they should pass this on to the men in their life as well. Why in general? Because it's part of our bodies. That's an important part. Yeah, it it's reproductive health. It falls under yes, reproductive health, certainly. and you know we have we have fem predominantly women listeners, but they also have sons. They also have that's right boys in their families that they right. could pass on this information. So yep. I I, just, I find that mm. fascinating. Just to start off with a basic question: What is normal male anatomy? How would you define that? It's pretty straightforward. If you look on the outside, it's you can see everything that's just there. Mm -hmm. There's the penis mm -hmm. covered with a foreskin at mm -hmm. birth. Mm -hmm. And then if a person is circumcised, mm -hmm. then you can see the head of the penis. Mm -hmm. That's the glands. And the okay. rim is called the corona. Okay. Then there's the shaft of the penis, mm -hmm. the length of it connects to the um, body mm -hmm. at, just above the scrotum. Mm -hmm. Then you look and of course the scrotum is the sacs for the testicles. One on each side, but they're really one sack. Okay. And then if you look inside, you see the testicles and the various glands associated with those. Mm -hmm. Then the prostate gland is uh, overlapping the urethra. Mm -hmm. That's the external canal mm -hmm. that urine and semen go through. Mm -hmm. And then on the very outside, the tip of the penis, you see the urethral opening called the meatus. Oh. M-E-A-T-U-S. The hole. Wow. That the stuff comes through. I didn't even know there was a name for it. There's a name for everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so fascinating. So yes. fascinating. It's it's just fascinating from <clears throat> a female point of view of like hmm. our genitalia are kind of inside of Hidden. us. Yes. yes. Right. And then, you know, the, the man, male. It's just all it's out just there. just all out there. Exactly. Like, I always wondered, like, how do you guys walk around? 
<laughs> you know, like, doesn't it get in the way, you know? But you touched on circumcision. So oh. what is circumcision? When should it happen if a, if parents decide to circumcise their their sons? And what what's what's the process looking like? I yeah. I knew, I mean, having a, a son myself, that mm-hmm. process was a whole whole thing. Like my husband and I had to sit down and be like, okay, what yeah. do we want to do? Because right. it doesn't happen in the hospital anymore. That's true. Correct? That's so correct. could you kind of walk us through that and why parents should consider or not consider circumcision? Sure. So there's a couple different decision points. Like you say, the first one is at birth mm-hmm. or after birth. Mm-hmm. So the, the statistics, the studies show there's not really any reason to have a circumcision for medical purposes okay. in the first few years of life. Okay. So then you... I'll ask, well, why would I have one then? So mm-hmm. then it goes back to social, cultural issues, reasons. Okay. okay. And that's dependent on the family and mm-hmm. the society they live in. Mm-hmm. Some societies, very high circumcision rate, Jewish societies in Israel, mm-hmm. Muslim societies, uh, some very low, the actual opposite end of the spectrum, like the Northern European countries, Finland, Europe, Sweden, so forth. So you, do, you eliminate the medical reasons, and then it becomes a personal decision for the family. So the stereotype that I've heard of why you should move forward with the circumcision for your son is because it's cleaner and it's easier for them to to clean as they get older. Is that true or not true? It's almost true. Okay. So you do with a circum uncircumcised penis to clean after a certain age, and mm-hmm. I'll get into that in a second. Sure. You need to retract, pull back the foreskin, mm-hmm. soap and water in the shower, lightly, Mm -hmm. and then let the foreskin go back Mm -hmm. in place. Mm -hmm. So the foreskin is, of course, it's like a long sleeve shirt cuff Mm -hmm. hanging off the end of one's fist Mm -hmm. is the way to visualize it. Okay. And to be circumcised is to cut the cuff of the sleeve at the wrist. Okay. And then you see the whole fist. Okay. Uh, So that's a good way to visualize what is a circumcision. So it's like tailoring. It is tailoring. It's totally... (laughs) It's tailoring a yes, shirt. Yes. Okay. Uncircumcised after it naturally will retract, and that takes time at birth. Okay. It doesn't retract. You can't pull it back without uh, causing injury. So okay. you just let it sit for a few years. Mm-hmm. And then around five or six, it becomes more flex retractable. And then at that point, you teach a child to pull it back slightly, clean in the bathtub, and then let it go back. But there's no increase of bacteria that could be in there if not kept well clean. Not, no. You know, the normal bacteria that lives on the skin is different in Mm -hmm. different parts of the body. Okay. So the ones that are resident there are not harmful. Okay. You will have excess dead skin buildup. Okay. Think of it like earwax. It's it's whitish and it looks like, sometimes it can look like cottage cheese, Mm -hmm. but it's just dead skin. And... And you said there are no medical, there's no medical need to circumcise. In the U.S., there isn't. In in African countries where there's a higher rate of heterosexual HIV, Mm. it's an an indication to get a circumcision Mm. for adults, adult men. Okay, okay. So what's the oldest age that someone could go move forward with the circumcision? Or is there any age limit? Oh, there's no age limit. Oh, there's no age limit. Yeah. See if there's there's no age limit. Okay. It's simplest in the newborn period. 
because the anesthesia is really short uh-huh. and just local. Uh-huh. But later on, uh, they tend to do more general anesthesia, and it's a little more complicated. But there are indications for it later in life. There are conditions where the foreskin gets stuck. Oh. Or you have increased recurring infections mm-hmm. that are bacterial. Okay. Is that area more sensitive once you get the circumcision or less sensitive? Oh, there's debate about that. The only way to examine that is to do a survey of men who have been sexually active before Mm -hmm. circumcision and after. Uh Uh-huh. And there's and no study like that yet? There are studies like that. <laughs> oh, there are? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. There's even a lobbying group that says against circumcision in adult mm, men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've heard of those. <laughs> yes. Right. So, you <laughs> yeah. Know. Well, moving on to the next question I had was, what is necessary to wash male, male genitalia area and why? Oh, Should yeah. you wash it daily? You know, because my hair, mm. I've been told, <clears throat> don't wash it every day. Mm. Because yeah. it's like bad to wash it every day. I wash it every day anyways. But should you wash your genitalia every day? Generally is yes. Two reasons. One is discomfort. Mm-hmm. And the second it would be uh, the smell. So you have a lot of sweat glands mm-hmm. in your groin area. And if you don't wash them, eventually it'll start to be noticeable to other people. Okay. So the same frequency you go, you get showers and, and soap and waters. Is fine. Doesn't need anything special. So there's not anything like they advertise a lot of intense smelling deodorant or intense smelling body wash for men. Oh yeah. Is that is that something you would not recommend? That's strictly cosmetic. Okay. As long as it doesn't damage your skin. Okay. Do you? Okay. Whether you do it or not. I mean, there are some conditions where people sweat excessively. Mm Mm-hmm. Not just during exercise, but all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it may be their palms, it may be under their arms, it may mm-hmm. be all over, it mm-hmm. may be their groin area. So in that case, using a antiperspirant in, your, in the groin area is effective. Is that like a spray? Same kind you'd use under your arms. Oh, okay. Yeah, any brand, as long as it doesn't cause skin irritation, Okay, it's okay. I know for women, we're so worried about smelling a certain way. Hmm. And do you think that men genitalia have a certain smell as well? Well, everyone has a body odor mm-hmm. that's, and there's some differences mm-hmm. between, you know, different cultures, different eating habits mm-hmm. that can affect your, your sweat. Yeah. Again, it's a question of what are you worried about and what do you want to smell like? Yeah. Do you think men worry about the way they smell more than women? Depends on the man. <laughs> <laughs> We get a lot of women coming in wanting to mask oh. their smells. Yes. Wanting to, because, you know, we have oh. our periods and that sure. comes with a certain smell. And, yes. you know, it, it, it varies in different mm-hmm. times of the month. So, True. but, you know, <clears throat> I feel like a lot of our patients come in and they want to like oils up there or crystals mm. up there or, oh, yeah. you know, to mask this natural odor. We don't get a lot of men. Now, we don't get a lot of men patients, period. But when we do, that's yeah. never a concern of theirs. No, I don't think it is generally because they just, it's their level of hygiene in general yeah. is the issue. Okay. If you have someone who is not so careful about their hygiene in general, mm-hmm. yeah, that's they're going to stink more. Mm-hmm. Their genital area, and they'll have more rashes. We should talk about rashes. Okay, let's talk about rashes. So jock itch is number one. Okay. 
It's a fungal infection. It's the same thing, same kind of germs that cause athlete's foot. And it's the same treatment with a fungal powder or ointment. Okay. And cleaning the area, keeping it dry, drying out. And the cause is usually because constant moisture. So the yeast that cause it live on our skin. It's part of our natural biome where we have a mix of yeast and bacteria. So if they are allowed to thrive in moist conditions, like someone wears a bathing suit that's wet for two days in a row, three days in a row, they're going to get a yeast infection, pretty likely. We recommend our female patients like after a shower, like on a low, using a blow dryer, Mm. like on low, Mm -hmm. like not directly on, but kind of away, kind of blow drying that area. Would you recommend that for male patients? Uh, Most of the time, not necessary. Okay, just air dry? Just air dry, towel okay. dry and air dry. Okay. Yeah. How long does a jock itch last? Oh, uh, well, it depends how you treat it. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's a little s- slow to develop. Yeast okay. grows slowly okay. compared to bacterial infection mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and sometimes de- decreases slowly. So, But usually the itching and the redness will calm down within the day. It'll still be visible but not quite as irritating. Is that something... <clears throat> someone could identify and just be treated over the counter or would you recommend them coming in to a place like 3W get checked out and say yep that's that's a rash you should do xyz now normally you can it can be self diagnosed how about grooming we have a lot of female patients that come in and ask us questions concerning grooming purposes and in the sense of should they completely shave down there if there was any type of rash or itchiness or something like that? Should they should they wax? Should they pluck? Should they shave? Should they right. <laughs> all of that stuff? Right. What for for the male anatomy, what is your recommendation for grooming? So I had to look into this a little. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now I have a I have a visual picture for folks. Okay. Okay. Think of James Bond. Okay. And all the actors who've done James Bond. Sean Connery, full chest and back of hair uh-huh. in his movies. Okay. The latest versions of James Bond. Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig, completely waxed. He's yeah. like hairless. Yes. From the chest up. Huh. That's a cultural change. Hmm. That's a social change. So that's a question of not only cosmetic, and but it's a fashion question. Or preference. And a preference, fashion preference, right? Okay. Right. So medically, unless you cause yourself problems, it's not an issue. You can groom mm-hmm. to the level you want. There's even a ner- term for it. You know, it's called manscaping. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Landscaping the yard. It's pretty funny. As soon as you start <laughs> looking at this, and we're gonna, I'm gonna give you a couple of websites. Yeah. To check, <laughs> people can check out. <laughs> I mean, the euphemisms are hilarious. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, yeah. So how to take care of down there is an example of one. It's like so. Yeah. Generally, the th- same methods are available: plucking, waxing, shaving. Mm-hmm. Same duration of effect. Waxing would be the longest, mm-hmm. and shaving lasts the same as plucking, essentially. For the female genitalia, mm. it's a lot more sensitive. Would you say? To like when we go, I'm a, I've yeah. never done it before, but shit, you know, like waxing the female mm-hmm. genitalia would 
I feel like it's a lot more sensitive to that versus if for a, for a man to go get that um, area waxed because it's always kind of outside already. Yeah, hard to hard to say. Hard to say. It would hurt. It'll hurt. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm just wondering what yeah. degree I compared to. I have no idea. You don't know. <laughs> I don't either. Yeah. Okay. Um, so there are no health benefits for. No, there's no health benefits. Uh, health concerns would be if you use the same razor on your face and your genital area, you're going to transfer, if you use your genital area first, you're going to mm-hmm. transfer germs to your face, mm-hmm. get uh, folliculitis, which is a irritation of the skin follicles, mm-hmm. infection sometimes. Okay. Ingrown hair. Ingrown hairs can happen. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Hervey. So we were just finishing talking about shaving and and it sounds very similar to how to the same advice we would give to a female patient that's having that has questions about how to groom down there let's you know you touched on rashes what about STIs how do male patients that come in do STIs show up differently on their genitalia versus female patients and their anatomy? How, how, if they, if they're like, is that chlamydia, gonorrhea, does that show up differently on male genitalia? Yes, it does. Okay. There's some differences. So okay. the first difference would be it's easier to see. Mm-hmm. Like a herpes ulcer is going to be right there. Okay. On the surface of the penis. Okay. Sometimes on the scrotum, but. Almost always on the penis. Secondary syphilis, you can have ulcers. Primary syphilis, not so much. That's more of a chronic condition. And then the other STIs, uh, chlamydia is typically symptomatic in men. Okay. With burning on urination. Okay. Which is one of the differences between men and women, where it's much higher asymptomatic in women, Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. what leads to the infertility. Mm Mm-hmm secondary effects of it. So that's why partner treatment usually frequently starts with a man coming in being symptomatic and then treating his partner because she's not symptomatic. And then syphilis also and gonorrhea, burning with urination. Yeah, HPV can have ulcers, but they're not going to be as frequent as as, uh, herpes. And you can't test men for HPV? No. Okay. You can, they should be immunized. There's a standard. They have, they're on the same immunization recommendations as women mm-hmm. because they are a vector mm-hmm. for transmission of HPV. Yeah. Okay. Do you know, you might not know the answer, but maybe you do. Do you know why we can't test men for HPV? Just because it have you'd have to have an ulcer. And, okay. And specifically... It has to do with the type of skin, this type of cells that it prefers. So okay. it loves the cervix. Yes. Okay. That's where HPV resides. Yes. It's not as friendly to mm-hmm. epithelial skin like the surface of the penis. Male patients can have HPV. Totally. They can, yes. they can totally have it. Of course. They ju- we just can't conclusively diagnose it. Not in your regular labs available. Okay. Uh, on a research basis, of course, mm-hmm. but it's not a generally done test. And where else can HPV be detected these days? Not not just the cervix. No, it can be in the mouth and throat from oral sex. Okay. It's true, men okay. or women. If it's in a man's throat or mouth, can that be then detected as, is there a test for 
for for men for that? Or does it just come up as an ulcer or, or? Great question. Not sure I know the answer. That's okay. So the generally the tests that are done are site specific. So even though the test could be done, mm-hmm. the same uh, swab and send it to the under the same test, mm-hmm. unless it's unless it's been studied and mm-hmm. licensed for oral use, mm-hmm. it's not going to be considered a valid test. Okay, okay. So it sounds like HPV likes dark, moist areas. Right. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's where they thrive the most. Totally, it sounds yes. like because yes. yeah. Okay. Very interesting. So what is a what's your recommendation for a healthy way to approach how to clean down there for our our male listeners or female listeners actually to pass on the information? What's something you want to leave our listeners, you know, some some last advice or tips? Oh yeah. So yeah. what I said earlier, soap and water are fine. Okay. Uh, any kind of scents or s- or deodorants, it's up to the individual man. Mm-hmm. Just be sure it doesn't cause irritation. Mm-hmm. Uh, some men will need extra antiperspirant down there. They can use the same kind they use under their arms. Okay. And then as far as clothing, really the only thing, cotton's best. Mm-hmm. Boxers provide the most airflow. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how to keep from sweating too much and okay. maintain hygiene. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It's so so interesting to talk about the other anatomy because we talk about the female anatomy quite a bit. So it's, it's, we're like, oh gosh, we're due time to talk about the male anatomy because again, it falls under reproductive health. We do see male patients here for STI services and our, you know, our medical providers are very comfortable seeing male patients. So if you ever have any questions, if you have any follow-up questions for Hervey, please, please send us an email or or come in and get checked out by one of our medical providers. We're always up for learning more ourselves about different different approaches, but also, you know, if you're if you're itchy or have any questions about STIs from a male perspective, we'd love for you to book an appointment and come in and see us. So Thank you so much, Harvey, for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. I'm sure we'll have you on for other topics now. (laughs) I'd be happy to. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you, listeners. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye. For more information about 3W, please visit our website at 3wmedical.org. That's the number three, the letter W, medical.org. From there, you can learn more information about the services we provide, book an appointment, or make a donation if you'd like to support our mission. You can also call our office at 206-588-0311. That's 206-588-0311. If you like this episode, please share it with others and consider subscribing on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, stay healthy and be well.